going to say I was outstanding in my field. I think that was a description of agriculture work, which there is some metaphor there to that as we go along. So thank you all. We appreciate it deeply. I don't know if you know this. Uh, some of you do and some of you don't, but we began our 20th year here on December 1st. And uh, so we're in our 20th year here at Grace Point Church, and we are so blessed uh, by uh, your, I know you love Don and you tolerate me, and so that's, you know, that's, that's to, to my benefit, and so we are thankful for that, and uh, thank you, and it's been a great, great journey with you, and we look forward to what God has for us as he gives us our days, so thank you so much, we appreciate it, and we want to, Don and I want to wish you uh, a, just a blessed Christmas, this Christmas Eve, and uh, we are thankful for you. Let me pray, and we'll look at very quickly at a portion of Scripture. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this Christmas season again. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ in the first Advent, and we anticipate and look forward to the second Advent, as you've promised in your prophecy in Scripture. And we thank you, Lord, that you are so faithful. And we thank you for your word and our language. I thank you for each one here this evening. We thank you for our guests who are with us today. And also for uh, family members who've traveled from afar, we thank you for them. And thank you, Lord, for blessing us with this time together. For it's in Jesus' powerful name, amen and amen. Uh, I don't know, uh, some couples have a song that is very unique and personal to them. And, uh, you know, that, so that when they hear it, uh, you know, on the radio or wherever, they say, oh, they're playing our song. And uh, Don and I never really had a song. The closest we came to it was uh, Amarillo by Morning by George Strait. <laughs> and that's because uh, we spent one evening wandering around Amarillo with a rider truck. We were moving to Dallas. And uh, uh, she says I was lost. But, you know, men, we never get lost. We just get confused, as Daniel Boone would say. And so I was confused for a number of hours as we wandered around uh, with uh, two children and a dog in the cab of the rider moving truck. And uh, so anyway, that's the closest we've come to having a song together. But uh, when we think about it, uh, you know, there are many, many songs uh, that have special meaning to us, and it's fun to sing Christmas carols this time of year. Uh, I read uh, Ravi Zacharias's blog. If you know Ravi Zacharias, he's a tremendous apologist, evangelist, speaks on secular college campuses, and has a ministry, RZIM ministry, out of Atlanta, Georgia. But he writes a blog, and he wrote this yesterday. In fact, I got this yesterday. And he says, uh, this is Rabbi Zacharias writing, I remember talking to a friend that played the part of Christine in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway for several years running. After one performance, she took us backstage. It was fascinating to see how much could be constructed in so little of a space to meet the needs of all the scenes. That's the genius of the arts. As we were walking through the set and meeting the other actors, I asked her, when you have played the same part for years and years, how do you work up the motivation to do it again and again, night after night? And her answer was simple and a little bit surprising. She said, as the first chords of the music start, the whole story begins in my head. And there's something about that, isn't there? You know, when we hear a Christmas carol, when we hear the music, maybe the story starts again. The danger is, is, of course, every Christmas we do this every year. We sing the same songs. We look at the same passages of Scripture. And the danger for us is we become overly familiar with the story. 
And yet, if we allow God to use it, it's a wonderful story. Rabbi Zacharias goes on to say or write, he said, a few days ago, I landed in Singapore on Korean Airlines, and the music of Christmas was playing in the airport. And through the streets of Singapore, it was the same thing. All of a sudden, my heart rolled back the memories of the years gone by and the Christmas season and the Christmas story itself. And so there's something powerful about singing these lyrics, thinking about what happened 2,000 years ago and what Jesus Christ has done, and that God in the flesh entered this world to provide salvation for you and for I. And, you know, we don't look at the world's secular music for answers, do we? I think of some of the pop culture that we live in and have lived in. Some of these are kind of old. Uh, But in one of the lyrics of a pop culture song by Joan Osborne, she asked the question, what if God was just one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? Uh, John Bon Jovi complains to heaven, hey, God, tell me what is going on. These days you're even harder to believe. And then, of course, Uh, They've only gotten worse since John Lennon in the 60s wrote, I don't believe in Jesus, I just believe in me. And of course, that's the culture we live in uh, around the world and where we find ourselves. But it's not that we don't find God's truth on the pop charts nor on the lips or minds of pop stars, especially around the Christmas season. It seems like every artist does a Christmas album of some kind. Uh, I've yet to find a Boxcar Willie Christmas album. But I am still on the search for that one. But, uh, you know, it seems like at Christmas time, people's hearts soften a bit and are at least willing, many people, to contemplate the divine, contemplate the eternal. And for that, we can be thankful. And yet the Advent truth seems to be come through our music. You know, I've often said that our take-home theology is the lyrics we sing because that's what we wake up at night thinking about if we are singing a certain song, listening to the lyrics, we tend to think of it, and it resonates in our memory for us. And it seems like the barriers come down this time of year, and there are people more open uh, to what God is doing around the world, although it's been a very difficult year, we would all agree. And so we come to this passage, and uh, Larry uh, did his uh, the Larry version this morning for us, which I appreciate deeply, but in Luke chapter 2, of course, we have the birth record of Jesus, our Messiah. And of course, uh, Joseph and Mary have gone to Bethlehem because of the edict from Caesar Augustus that every person should register in their hometown. And it tells us there that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And that sets the stage for the next paragraph. And then the next verse, verse 8, it says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. And these shepherds, uh, you know, they were the low class of Israel society. They were almost the untouchables of Israel culture. And uh, they did the dirty jobs, basically taking care of sheep and lambs. And uh, these shepherds were out near the fields, near Bethlehem. And uh, that tells us, and I hate to, to pop any of your, your, your bubbles about Christmas in December, but this was probably March or April because that's when they would bring the lambs down to be close to Jerusalem because these lambs were used at the Passover as the paschal lambs or the sacrificial lambs, as Dave pointed out to us this morning. And so they were probably there late March, early April before Passover, and they were getting these lambs ready for the sacrifice at the temple, Herod's great temple there in Jerusalem. But these shepherds were there, and it was just an ordinary night. 
normal sheep, normal job. The silence, though, was shattered, and uh, they started hearing a song and a declaration. And first of all, it was a song of hope. In verse 9, it tells us, An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were terribly frightened. They were terribly frightened. But in verse 10, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. You know, fear is something that's built into us. It's part of our uh, DNA, if you will, and it's a good thing. I mean, we should be fearful about stepping out in front of a speeding freight train or any of that stuff. You know, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a protective device. But yet there is, uh, that's natural fear, but yet there is some unnatural fear. And, of course, these shepherds had probably not seen the angel of the Lord before, and uh, they were staggered by the glory of this being that showed up before them. But the angel says to relinquish the fear, abandon your hopelessness, if you will, because Herod's tyranny and Caesar's cruelty met, uh, was met by the only force strong enough to conquer a world full of evil, and it was in the form of this babe in the manger in Bethlehem. And I was thinking of some of these Christmas songs. Charles Wesley wrote this Christmas carol, Thou Long Expected Jesus, and it's heaven's message. Wesley wrote, Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. You know, these angels were starting to play our song. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are playing our song. And it resonates through us down through the centuries. But I love what the angel said here. Do not be afraid. For the believer in Jesus Christ, when we believe in the sovereignty of God, that he's in control of all things at all times for his glory and for the good of his people, there's no need to be unnaturally afraid. I don't know why it is. Maybe it's because the older I get, I tend to wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning and worry about things and have this unnatural kind of fear sweep over me. I don't know why that is. You know, It doesn't happen all the time, but once in a while. Uh, and it's not stuff that's going bump in the night or anything. Uh, it's just, you know, maybe an imagination or Satan's oppression. I'm not sure. But what I need to do is say before I go to sleep, do not be afraid. I believe in the sovereignty of God. And so tonight, as you lay your head on your pillow and as you think about it, remember what the angel told the shepherds and repeat it to yourself. Do not be afraid on this Christmas Eve because they are playing our song. It is a song of hope. In verse 10, it's a song of joy. It, the angel went on to say in his message, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. First of all, it's a, new, it's, it, it, it's a story and a song of good news. We all like good news. There's a lot of bad news. In fact, it was a famous, one of the famous newscasters said, Bad news sells. You know, good news doesn't sell. And so we're surrounded by bad news, and yet this is good news. This is the gospel news of great joy, great joy. You know, our happiness tends to depend upon our circumstances, but joy is a residing, settled condition because we know what the future holds. And it's for all the people. Isn't that wonderful? It's not just for some people, for certain people, but it is for all people. Isaac Watts, the song we just sang, Joy to the World, <clears throat> Joy to the World, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Uh, don't be disappointed, but when Isaac Watts wrote those lyrics, it wasn't about the first advent. Even though we sing it at Christmas, 
But really pay attention to the lyrics. It's Isaac Watts was anticipating the second coming of Christ when he was going when he's going to set up his kingdom here on earth, the millennial kingdom, and that's what Isaac Watts was singing about that or, or and writing about, and that's what we sing about when you listen and really pay attention to those lyrics. And so we are full of joy. We are full of hope. Full of uh, joy, they are singing our song. Verse 11, a song of salvation, of rescue. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Notice the time. He says, today. You know, these shepherds were up on this hillside with their sheep, and it was today in God's perfect time. We know throughout all of history, it was the hinge point of all of history that God invaded this planet, his creation, his creatures, and God himself, God the Son, became human flesh, human form. We don't understand how that all occurred, but yet Jesus did that in the perfect plan of God before the beginning of time. And he tells us that he's the Savior, he's the Christ, or the Messiah is the Hebrew term which the prophets were prophesying, and Lord, which is Adonai, he is the one over all. Hark the herald angels sing, it's heaven's message, Christ the, by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, and Jesus our Emmanuel, which means God with us. We are rescued at last, they're playing our song. And then fourthly, it's a song of peace in verse 14 where it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. In this passage in Luke with these angels, this great glorious group of angels, a multitude it says, it could be thousands or millions, we don't know, but a multitude is a lot. And they were singing, they appeared, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among men with whom he is well pleased. And so there's glory he is the Prince of Peace. As I said this morning, 700 years previous to this time, uh, the prophet Isaiah wrote these words in chapter 9, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Romans 5.1 tells us that he bestows peace on those who believe in him for everlasting life. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, that means declared righteous before a righteous holy God by Jesus Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful declaration. And we sing, it came upon a midnight clear. We hear the angels sing the glorious song of old. And we think that they're playing our song. It's fresh with peace. And then it's a song of praise. As we go through this, we see that the shepherds in <clears throat> chapter 2 go into Bethlehem, visit with Joseph and Mary, worship this child in the manger, and they are just overawed with this. It tells us in verse 20 that the shepherds went back glorifying God, praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as they had been told. God was faithful to tell them the truth, and he's still faithful to tell us the truth. And they returned to their world, <clears throat> and they glorified and praised God for all that they had heard and seen. We sing that little chorus of what child is this who laid the rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. And then the chorus to that song goes like this. This, this is Christ the King. Whom shepherds guard and angels sing, haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. The song of our Savior's advent is a song of hope, of joy, of salvation, peace, and praise. And we can rest in that this Christmas season in the midst of where we've been at.
At this time, I'm going to have the ushers who are going to light the candles come up, and they'll, they'll get the flame off of the Christ candle, which is the red one, the tallest one, which we lit this morning. And it's very symbolic, and it's a metaphor of the light of the world being spread. And they're going to come down the aisles, and if each one of you on the outside of the aisles would have your candle lit and then light your neighbors, it's like spreading the light of the world as we go through tonight. And we will be singing a song with that. Uh, but as they are lighting your candles, let me just finish with this. You know, I don't know if any of us will be sorry to see 2017 go as the new year approaches. There's been much political turmoil in our own country as well as in countries around the world, other parts. Terrorism seems to abound. There's a divide between uh, left and right that seems deeper and more fraught with conflict than I remember. Uh, But the story that we're talking about remains beautiful forever and ever, and it's what we remember. God sent his son down to earth to save that which was lost. No matter how the years go by, the songs and the messages of Christmas are always new and always renewed. Unto us a child is born and a son is given. There is much symbolism behind that reality. He was born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, yet giving the beauty of the consummation of human love and marriage. Born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, literally. And yet people still not know he is the bread of life. The Lamb of God, visited by ordinary shepherds, recognized his royalty as the king he was, yet he wore no royal robes. Born in a makeshift home so that we might never be homeless. Taken by his parents to Egypt so we might live free. Raised by a carpenter, though he framed the world by his own word. The ruler of the world, but desiring to rule in our hearts. Amazing story, amazing love. Amazing salvation. If you'd all stand as we sing. Summer. 